Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's traveling. Today I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity, the bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. Many people associate the term yoga with exercise. Kriya yoga is a wider system including philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. As a medical doctor and longtime practitioner of Kriya yoga, I have found it to be a comprehensive system for enhanced well-being on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. Today we're going to explore yoga therapy, yoga as powerful medicine for the body, mind, and spirit. And I'm joined by Dr. Timothy McCall, a board-certified physician specializing in internal medicine, a longtime student of yoga, the medical editor of Yoga Journal, and author of the book, Yoga as Medicine, The Yogic Prescription for Health and Healing. Dr. McCall's articles have appeared in dozens of publications including the New England Journal of Medicine, the Journal of the American Medical Association, the Boston Globe, and the LA Times. He has appeared on both radio and television. Dr. McCall teaches about yoga as medicine both nationally and internationally. You can learn more about Dr. McCall and his book and teachings at his website, drmccall.com. Welcome, Dr. Timothy McCall. I'm delighted that you could join us today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Great. Before we begin to uh, talk about yoga therapy, let's begin with a moment of meditation. Om. Let's open our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence, one reality called by many names, is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right now, this divine essence is present as you, as me, as everyone, within us, around us, and between us. In this moment, we simply let our attention turn inward from the periphery of our awareness to the depths. We become aware of our breath, noticing its natural flow. 
as we inhale and exhale. Not trying to change it, just noticing. Inhalation and exhalation. Cool air entering the nostrils. Warm air flowing out. We notice thoughts and feelings arising and passing away. We become aware of our essential nature beyond words or thoughts, beyond all change, pure existence being, unmoving, unchanging. emanating from the essence of our being, pervading the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Once again, Dr. Timothy McCall, so lovely to have you on the Yoga Hour. Thank you very much. <clears throat> I thought we'd start with a, with a quote uh, from uh, Roy Eugene Davis, who was a direct disciple of Yogananda, and who said, It's essential to understand that as spiritual beings, we can implement intentional causative influences, which can change psychological, physical, and environmental circumstances. At the level of soul awareness, there is nothing that needs to be healed. At this level, we are ever serene and whole. Yoga philosophy teaches that our essential nature is whole, and within us is all the healing potential needed to bring our body, mind, and spirit into balance, which reflects as total well-being. In your book, Yoga as Medicine, you describe balance as the goal of Hatha Yoga rather than flexibility. Can you elaborate on the importance of balance in yoga? Um, sure. Uh, first of all, I would say it is a goal, not 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 the goal, <laughs> but but okay. definitely. Um, first of all, we can talk about literal balance, and that's the not falling over and breaking your hip, for example, writing your right. balance in your physical body, and that certainly is is true of of, of hatha yoga practice and can, can be very beneficial. But, but balance can be thought of in many other ways. We can talk about balancing the nervous system. Many of us, of course, live in this very high-stress world, and we tend to be out of balance. Our nervous systems tend to be out of balance in that way. And also psychologically balanced. How well can we uh, adapt to changing circumstances and when unpleasant things happen in our life, that's another form of balance. So balance can be thought of in many ways. Mm. And then how about the definition of health in yoga? Well, you know, I think it's, it's very interesting because in Western medicine, which of course you and I are both trained in, um, we're taught that when someone doesn't have any symptoms and none of their lab tests are abnormal, then they're healthy. But in yoga, we, we say that uh, kind of comprehensive wellness of body, mind, and spirit is really what health is about. And if any of those pieces are missing, it's hard to be truly healthy. Yeah, I totally agree. One of the things I really appreciated about the book is that you compile the scientific evidence about yoga, including many studies that have have appeared in Indian medical journals, uh, but right. which I had not seen before and which I think most uh, Western physicians would be unaware. I loved the list that you gave of the 40 ways that yoga heals. And although we don't have time to review them all, I'd love to talk about some of them in, in more detail. Um, sure. A couple of the scientifically proven benefits would be unsurprising to anybody who had attended a yoga class. 
Uh, for example, it's not a surprise that yoga improves flexibility, strength, balance, posture, and breathing. But I think most people don't think really about um, how those changes can really positively impact their health. So can you comment on, on uh, yeah, I know I gave you a long list there, but some highlights about the health benefits of some of those um, kind of expected benefits of yoga? Well, sure. I mean, we know that a hatha yoga practice, the practice of asana and, and other modalities, can make you stronger. And, you know, it's interesting because some people come to yoga and they're very strong and what they need is flexibility. Other mm-hmm. people come to yoga flexible and they don't need to become more flexible. What they need is to become stronger. And, and so for them, when I talked before about balance, that's what I'm referring to. And so really what we're talking about is trying to look at people and see where are they out of balance and what can we do to bring them back into balance. So, yes, all these benefits you're talking about. So when you improve stress and you improve the nervous system, people are going to sleep better. Their immune systems are going to tend to work better. They're going to tend to heal from injuries faster. So many things. Mm-hmm. One of the things that was on the list of the 40 ways that yoga heals was um, that yoga fosters spiritual growth. Can mm. you address that? Well, sure. Um, you know, <laughs> we all are presented with many challenges in our lives, things that are sometimes hard to to deal with. And I think that one of the things we learn is that sometimes we need to not just change our external circumstances, but mm-hmm. change our attitude about our external circumstances and our attitude about the world. I'm not talking about being fatalistic. What I really mean is learning to be content with whatever the circumstances are. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're not going to take steps to try to move forward in a good direction. Not, not at all. In fact, it's very much about action. As the Bhagavad Gita would would suggest, that it's really that even though we can't control what's going to happen, that we can have an intention about where we would like things to go and then act on those intentions, but without attachment. And, of course, being able to lose our attachment to whether things happen just the way we perceive they ought to happen to make us happy is itself a, a manifestation of spiritual growth. To, to, mm-hmm. to realize that we don't always know what the best thing for us is, and it's sometimes, as they like to say in yoga, that there's a plan, and or that things happen for a reason, and sometimes we don't always know what that reason is. And, mm-hmm. and so, to, but on some level to have faith, which again is another manifestation of, of, of spirituality, that, that somehow that if we do what we're supposed to do, we do our jobs, uh, and I mean that, you know, not just our, our, our work, but our, our, our bigger work is seen spiritually, then things will unfold in the way that they need to. Mm. One of the other uh, distinctions that you made um, in your description about pain is the distinction between pain and suffering. Um, yes. Can you yes. comment on that? Sure. You know, so much of what we do in medicine is about trying to control pain. And we have, of course, many good ways to control pain. We're not always effective, but we can often do a good job of it. But Suffering, again, is the realm of the spiritual. This is what takes pain, and it's almost like pouring gasoline on the fire. It can make it burn much more strongly and be much more damaging. Um, And because suffering is hard to measure with tests, it's something we've tended to neglect in modern medicine. But yoga and Buddhism alike have made the study of the mind and suffering, what causes suffering, how we can be relieved of suffering, uh, and, and has really made it one of their main focuses. And there's so much that can be done to relieve people of their suffering. You know, you can have a cancer, and you can be cured of the cancer, 
but nonetheless you may be in great need of healing because of continued mm-hmm. suffering from the cancer, from the treatments, from the expenses, from the worries, all the many aspects of it. Um, on the other hand, someone can have a condition which cannot be cured medically, and yet they can be healed. They can come to peace with their lives. They can reconcile with people for whom perhaps they have uh, relationships that have gone sour. Um, they can take these steps. They can find healing. They can find a way to relieve suffering, even if they cannot be cured medically. Well, I think that's such a, such a lovely um distinction to make because I I totally agree with you. There's so many times uh, where um, the healing in Western medicine can just focus on uh, the physical body and not the fact that a life perhaps isn't out of balance and there's still healing that needs to occur. Yeah, you know, and there are times when when we do things which medically seem to indicate some kind of progress, a lab test improves, a cancer shrinks on a CAT scan, whatever, but it may actually contribute to the person's suffering and may not even help them survive longer. So I think, you know, the kind of more balanced approach we're taking where we're absolutely trying to help people cure themselves or heal themselves from from various problems, but also looking at the broader picture of their psychological well-being and their spiritual health, uh, that, that this is really what we're talking about with, with yoga therapy, really trying to take a comprehensive look. And you know what? Some people are spiritually really in a good place. They need to work more on the physical. And in some other people, the opposite is true. So one of the beautiful things about this thing is we adapt it to whatever the circumstances of the individual are, and depending on what their unique needs are, which may change over time. Yes, absolutely. Um, that uh, individual approach is really, a, you know, it's a key point uh, with the yoga therapy. Let's turn back to something that you mentioned earlier, which is uh, that there are benefits to the functioning of the nervous system, and particularly, I think yeah. you mentioned in the book about uh, with um, uh, beyond just uh, beyond the uh, asana, the hatha yoga practice, the meditation and chanting. Um, how does that relax and improve the functioning of the nervous system? Well, um, well, first of all, just just to say, I, I think many of your listeners will already know this, but just to review that the autonomic nervous system, the body's automatic nervous system, has two major branches: the sympathetic, which is associated with fight or flight, the sympathetic nervous system, and then the parasympathetic nervous system, which is associated with rest and relaxation, digestion, and things like that. Um, and in many people in the modern world, those two branches of, of the autonomic nervous system are way out of whack. They're way on the stress, fight or flight side. So, so many practices in yoga, asana, breathing techniques of pranayama, meditation, uh, chanting have all been demonstrated to improve the functioning of the autonomic nervous system. It's not as simple as just being able to relax because some people have dysfunctions of the nervous system which are actually about needing more stress hormones. So, for example, a condition like fibromyalgia is a condition where people tend to have too little cortisol, one of the body's main stress hormones. And interestingly, although yoga has been shown in dozens of scientific studies to lower cortisol levels, lower the level of that stress hormone, a recent study of people with fibromyalgia found that practicing yoga tended to increase their cortisol levels, uh, which is exactly what they needed. So it isn't just about relaxation. It's about taking the nervous system, both the sympathetic and the parasympathetic branches, and helping them to work more effectively, to turn on when we need them and to be able to turn off when we don't need them and to adapt to our ever-changing circumstances. That's what a healthy nervous system does, but that's uh, something that many people in the the modern world are really challenged with. Mm -hmm. Yes, and another thing that you mentioned earlier that, um, you know, the same type of balancing effect that you mentioned on the nervous system is the immune system. And there's also some evidence um, around the immune system and how yoga can help balance the immune system. 
Well, you know, there's a whole field now called psychoneuroimmunology, which is talking about basically how the mind and the psychology and the nervous system and the immune system are all densely interconnected. So when we improve the function of the autonomic nervous system, we are simultaneously improving the function of the immune system. And so, and again, it works both ways. We can take people who have too little immunity, like people suffering from uh, HIV infection, for example, and we can do things that help them improve their immune functioning. Similarly, we can take people who have autoimmune conditions, who theoretically have immune systems that are too active, that are actually attacking their own body. These are conditions like lupus and, and scleroderma and, and so many other uh, multiple sclerosis. And we can help their nervous systems not be so aggressive. So, so again, it isn't just boosting immune function. It's boosting it when it needs boosting and tapering it back when that's what you need. And, and the beauty of these holistic practices is that if you just do them in a, in, a, in a skillful way, they'll tend to give you more if you need more and take away if you got too much. Like There's a, almost like a wisdom in the body that these practices tap into, and, and, and I think that's really what we're doing. Yes, coming right back around to that idea of balance uh, that we started you know, the conversation <laughs> with. So uh, it's time for us to transition to the break. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest Timothy McCall. You can learn more about him and his book, Yoga as Medicine, the Yogic Prescription for Health and Healing, at his website, drmccall.com. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien and discussing the scientific benefits of yoga. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. wellness expert, Dr. Michelle Robin on healthy living. In the game of wellness, there's some basic habits that you need to embrace in order to live a well life. In her book, Wellness on a Shoestring, Robin shows you that complete wellness of body, mind, and spirit doesn't have to cost a fortune. Client Eddie Penrice turned his health around with Dr. Robin's seven habits for a healthy life. I've got to say my body just embraced the change. Besides feeling better, looking better, thinking more clearly. Many of Robin's seven habits for a healthy life are simple and free. She offers tips and shares real stories from clients like Eddie, who've incorporated the habits into their lives and seen the results. You can make this change by being convicted that you will do it. That you don't need anyone else's assistance or help to do it. Make this the year you get healthy. Discover a low-cost, attainable path to feeling better than ever. Order wellness on a shoestring today at www.shopunity.org. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'll light a You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. 
We now return to the Yoga Hour. Good morning. This is, welcome back to the Yoga Hour. This is uh, Dr. Laurel Trujillo uh, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien and discussing yoga therapy with uh, Dr. Timothy McCall. Um, we've discussing in the um, in the first section we were discussing the scientific uh, benefits of yoga, and we could. Uh, go on and on about that. There's a lot more information about the scientific benefits of yoga that is in uh, both uh, Dr. McCall's book, uh, Yoga as Medicine, and then he and I were just discussing in the break um, that he has a list of 75 conditions where there's scientific evidence uh, that um, yoga therapy is beneficial. And you can, again, find that on his website at drmccall.com. Yeah, and, uh, and so, in fact, uh, that... that... That the PDF of that file actually has, in addition, I think it's 15 pages of scientific citations. And so you can find out if you want to actually read the research. You can click on it. If there's an abstract available, you can click through to the abstract. Or if, in some cases where the, the full-text article is available, we've also uh, put a hyperlink into that. So that, that's a pretty useful document. Great. So now we're going to turn uh, to uh, some of the practices of uh, Kriya Yoga. And I thought we'd start with a quote from uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, uh, who said, The secret of health for both mind and body is not to mourn for the past, worry about the future, or anticipate troubles, but to live in the present moment wisely and earnestly. And yoga is full of uh, so many practices that help us live wisely in the present moment. Um, Kriya Yoga, as described in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, has three elements. Tapas, self-discipline, Svadhyaya, self-study, and Ishwara Pradidhan, self-surrender. So turning to the first of those, um, what is tapas and how can we build it? Well, tapas is sometimes translated as discipline. It can also be thought of as the ardor or zeal that we bring to our practice. And, you know, yoga, our yoga practice is a little bit inconvenient every day. We need to find a time to set aside to do a practice. And it's, it's my belief that, that even a short amount of time but regularly, ideally every day, can be transformational. But getting yourself to do it, even on a bad day, can be difficult. Um, And so you might come home, say you had a tough day at work. You have this intention that you're going to practice yoga, say for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. But you come home and your mind starts making excuses. You know, I had a rough day. I could take a day off. It wouldn't really matter. And there's another part of you that hears all those excuses and goes to your yoga mat or goes and sits on your meditation cushion anyway. And that's tapas that allows you to do that. And the beautiful thing about the practice of yoga is that it facilitates tapas. The more you do the practice, the more you make the practice part of your life, the more you want to do it, the more it becomes easy, the more you develop that discipline. And the interesting thing is that when you develop that discipline through your yoga practice, you start seeing it crop up in other areas of your life. You can turn down the unhealthy food item that tastes good, for example, because you decide it's not what your body needs. You develop that kind of discipline. So that's tapas. That's just lovely. I also really appreciated that you had some poses, uh, some hatha yoga poses that build tapas. Oh, right. In fact, uh, my, my first yoga teacher, Patricia Walden, uh, gave me the simple exercise of simply standing and lifting your arms over your head as you inhale and, and lowering the arms back down as you exhale. And you do this a number of times in a row and you start to feel a sense of heat because another definition of the word tapas in Sanskrit is, is heat. And, and so it's a kind of building a physical heat. Now, I don't want to say that that physical heat alone is exactly the same as the kind of psychological tapas we're talking about, but they're related. Mm. 
So turning to the next element of Kriya Yoga, what is Svadhyaya or self-study, and, and how is it important to health and healing? Well, self-study, as originally defined by Patanjali, is, is talking about studying the capital S self, the, the, the infinite, God, whatever you want to call it. And, and that really, in ancient times, meant studying the scriptures and learning about what was true and what was not true and, and all that uh, kind of stuff that comes out of yoga philosophy. The way we tend to use it in yoga therapy in the modern world is more like studying the small s self, yourself, specifically studying your habit patterns and really asking yourself whether your habit patterns, your samskaras as Patanjali would call them, whether they really are serving you and your path in your life. Is this habit good for me or is this habit not good for me? Now, recognizing that you have a habit that is not good for you does not mean you're going to be able to change it right away, and that's okay. But in general, in yoga, seeing the truth clearly, seeing reality as it is, uh, that's almost always the first step toward being able to make change. Mm-hmm. And then turning to that third element now, uh, can you comment about Ishwara Pranidhan and how it can contribute to health? Yeah, absolutely. Now, Ishvara Pranidhana is sometimes uh, translated as surrender to God or devotion to the Lord in terms like that. And, and for many people, particularly people of a more devotional bent, that can be lovely. For other people, for example, people who are agnostic or not sure or atheist, whatever they might be, they may be uncomfortable with that. So I like to simply say that Ishvara Pranidhana is giving up the illusion that you are in control of what happens. And I mentioned the Bhagavad Gita earlier, this notion that we give our best effort, but we don't control what happens as a result of our effort. And, and, and so basically, if you can keep focused on what you need to do, as opposed to whether the world is rewarding you for that right now, you're going to be a lot happier because the universe has this nasty habit of not complying with our wishes. And, <laughs> and if we tie our happiness and our well-being into whether things are going right now the way we want them to be going, we're going to be unhappy a fair amount of the time. But if we can instead ha- cultivate this sense of contentment I've been talking about and, and, and learn to focus on what it is we're going to do, then that's a much more reliable way to be happy most of the time. Yes, I think that's such a lovely and practical you know, way of looking at uh, uh, self-surrender, uh, surrendering just to what is uh, and not necessarily uh, needing to bring anything bigger uh, into it, although certainly that um, is uh, lovely as well for those with a devotional bent. So one of the things that I liked in the in the book, uh, Yoga's Medicine, is that you combine those three practices that we were discussing now with uh, sankalpa, setting an intention into a loop that can change behavior. So how can those four practices uh, be combined into? Uh, you describe it as a yogic prescription to change your life. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it, it was funny because. I uh, when I first wrote Yoga's Medicine, I wasn't going to have a subtitle, and the publisher asked me to provide a subtitle, and I suggested the Yoga Path for Health, Healing, and and and, and Personal Transformation. They said, well, they wanted to get rid of the personal transformation part, and, and then they said, how about the yogic prescription for health and healing? Mm-hmm. And I kind of shuddered because I thought, you know, yoga therapy is not really prescriptive. We don't just say, you've got knee pain, do this, but instead we look at the whole context and circumstance of the person with knee pain and try to give them something to help their overall condition and hopefully their knee as well. Um, But then I realized that there was a yogic prescription for health and healing, and it's really Kriya Yoga, as Patanjali defines it, the, the three things we've just been talking about, plus this tool of intention setting. So the idea is you see reality clearly, If there's something that needs to change, you recognize it. You then can set an intention. Now, I think there's a lot of misinformation about intention setting that's out there. Intention setting is not a wish. 
It's not, I want to be a billionaire. I want to be a billionaire. That's not intention setting. That's just a desire. And again, that's an outcome that we can't control. What we can control is what we do. And so sankalpa, as it's called in Sanskrit, intention in, in yoga is about a promise we make to ourselves. That promise might be, I am practicing yoga 20 minutes every day. That might be our promise. But it could be many other things. The point is you choose something. So you recognize the the thing you'd like to change. You set an intention about what you want to do. And then, then this is where then tapas comes in. And then you take a step. So you, you, you set an intention of what you want to do, and then you do it. And then you study the results of what you've done. You surrender that you can't control those results. And then, as necessary, you can make a new intention or continue with the intention you have. And this becomes an iterative process where you are continually assessing what the situation is, trying to figure out what would be the most skillful step to take next. Then take that step, study the results, and continue the process. That's, and and that, that, those little steps done one after another can lead to monumental change. It seems crazy, but there's a quotation I love from T.K.V. Deskachar, the son of Krishnamacharya, well-known 20th century uh, guru from India. And he said, in stages, the impossible becomes possible. Mm. But we often don't know with yoga how we're going to get to better health, how we're going to get out of depression, how we're going to get over whatever health challenge we have. But almost always we can figure out an intelligent step that the person can take in that direction. And if you do that and you continue to do that, it can be absolutely amazing what happens as a result. Indeed, I, I uh, that quote is in the book, and it was one that I really particularly loved, uh, the impossible becoming possible. That's great. So we've mentioned a little bit uh, about uh, yoga's individualized approach, yoga therapy's individualized approach, and um, it struck me that an individualized approach um, has both strengths and also has weaknesses. So can you first comment on the strengths of yoga's individualized approach, taking, for example, each person with back pain is not necessarily the same as another person, you know, with back pain. So what are the strengths of that approach? Well, let me give you an example from from three different people I've seen with back pain in the last couple of years. One had a lot of tightness in their hamstring muscles in the back of their uh, back of their thighs, and they had a tipped pelvis, and they tended to flatten their their curve in their lower back, and this was what caused their back pain. Now, this is the kind of person who who often benefits from the kind of cobra poses and the gentle back bending to try to reintroduce that curve in the lower back. Now, I saw another person who had back pain who didn't have that pattern. What she had was actually she tended to hyperextend her lumbar spine. She had too big a curve. And so all those poses that are often recommended for back pain with yoga were for her just the opposite of what she needed. And in Mm -hmm. fact, she needed forward bends in poses that are often contraindicated in some kinds of back pain. Okay, then let me fast forward to a third person I saw who was actually a chiropractor who, and a, and a long-time yoga student who had really paid a lot of attention to anatomical alignment of her body. She had her bones and muscles aligned as about as well as you possibly could, and yet she was in debilitating back pain. In the course of one of my yoga medicine workshops we were do, that she attended, we uh, did some psychological exercises that were designed to get at past traumas and try to excavate some of that stuff. And what happened was she did the exercise and she had a revelation about her family history that had never occurred to her, that happened to her in the writing exercise. And when it was over, her back pain went away. Mm. So, so the point is, you know, we have one Western medical diagnosis and yet yogically seen, they may be completely 
completely different in origin. First two I mentioned were primarily physical, although actually in the second woman I mentioned, she also had a major imbalance as seen ayurvedically. She had also had a, a major imbalance in her nervous system. So it wasn't just her structure. It was, and so she needed a broader approach. So different people have different things going on. And, you know, when we do studies, we act as if people only have one diagnosis. They have back pain or they have breast cancer or they have insomnia. But the fact is in the, modern, in the real world, people often have multiple things going on in all kinds of different combinations. And so the, 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 the flexible approach allows us to look at the individual and to adapt to, to what they're doing. Now, the downside, of course, is that it takes more expertise to, to do that. And, and, you know, I would say also the downside of yoga as, as a therapeutic intervention, and it's true of a lot of holistic interventions, is that the onus is on you to actually do the practice because we can design you the very best yoga therapy practice in the world, and if you don't do it, it's not going to work. So, right. so um, <laughs> I think that's, that's probably the, the, the biggest downside. Now, the other practical downside is that in terms of the scientific establishment, they want to study standardized protocols. And you, in fact, can't get yoga research funded unless you're studying standardized protocols. Everybody with the same medical condition gets exactly the same yoga practice. Um, so we, we do do that sometimes, but I just think it's, it's not the best that yoga has to offer, which isn't to say that many traditional practices that are, are happen in different lineages are beautiful and, and transformational for people. It's just that sometimes in therapy, we like to aim a little more precisely to whatever the exact circumstances we're dealing with right then and there. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I really uh, appreciated that you said several times in the book when you were reviewing evidence, the scientific evidence of yoga, that the necessity to rely on a standardized protocol probably was underestimating the benefit of, of the yoga therapy in the end because, again, the, the results were not personalized for that individual. Well, right. Think of, think, think of if we had a standardized regimen for back pain in those three different patients I told you about. Right. No one, no one standard thing is going to capture all that nuance. So, but, right. but yet... It, it, what the studies show is that a standardized protocol does help, and people benefit right. just because they're out there doing yoga, but it may not be the best we can do, and I think that's why it's underestimated. Great. <clears throat> Moving to the break now, you're listening to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for regular host Yogacharya O'Brien. Today's guest is Dr. Timothy McCall, and his website is drmccall.com. I also wanted to mention that Yogacharya O'Brien, the regular host of the Yoga Hour, will be the keynote speaker at the 2015 conference of the International Association of Yoga Therapists in Newport Beach, California, next year, next June. More information can be found at uh, the website IAYT, International Association of Yoga Therapists.org. Thank you. We'll be right back. Have you asked your soul what it wants? Or are you so busy meeting the needs of everyone else? Family, friends, children, bosses, that you haven't checked in with the part of you that matters most? Janet Connor asked this question and received an answer. Your soul wants five things. That's it. Five things. Your soul wants to connect with source. Commit to values. Serve a purpose, express itself creatively, and last, it longs to create a beautiful, abundant life. Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that meet those needs. You can take each course separately or register for the complete Your Soul Wants Five Things series and receive $1,000 in bonuses for free. Visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your soul wants five things. Your soul will thank you.
We know that God is the source of our prosperity, but how do we manifest it in our lives? We simply change our limiting patterns around money, relationships, and health. Then, naturally, our vitality goes up, and so does our cash flow. We start to live with purpose, sharing our unique ability. Join us on Prosperity Power Hour every Monday at 1 p.m. Central Time to claim your divine inheritance. Prosperity for all. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org, and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. My guest today is Dr. Timothy McCall, board-certified physician and author of the book Yoga as Medicine, The Yogic Prescription for Health and Healing. Um, One of the uh, things that I really enjoyed about uh, your book is that I think here in the West, we view yoga as something for healthy people, and yet really, um, in India in particular, it's used um, in a wide range of diseases. As we mentioned, there's a lot of literature in the Indian uh, medical scientific literature about yoga, and you've actually uh, toured India, and I was curious, uh, what are some of the ways that you saw yoga used therapeutically uh, during your travels in India? Well, first of all, I would say what I've seen is a much broader use in a much broader uh, number of illnesses. So, for example, in children with developmental disabilities, in people with physical disabilities, uh, in many of the yoga centers I, I, I worked, I, I, I visited, I saw that kind of work. People who were bedridden, people who had uh, mental limitations. Uh, people with really bad, for example, contractures from illnesses or injuries, um, people who stroke victims. Uh, We are doing some of that here as well, but but, uh, even... um, Remember one ashram I, I visited, uh, the Swami Vivekananda ashram outside of Bangalore, had a kid who had about 15 years old who had been involved in a, had a head injury in a motor vehicle accident. And I had treated dozens of patients like him who had brain injuries from closed head injuries and, and car accidents. And oftentimes in the West, uh, if these people survive, they have a very compromised quality of life. They, they live in nursing homes that are very much like hospitals, and they're constantly getting infections and antibiotics and on respirators and, and get a lot of contractures in their body. Now, contrast this kid who had spent four years at this ashram, and he was just doing participating in whatever yoga he could do. And he was incredibly happy and well-adjusted and enjoying himself. And he didn't have any medical procedures or tracheostomy tubes or any of that kind of stuff. And and I just remember thinking, like, wow, this was so much better than you could ever see uh, in in the United States. We just we just don't have anything like this. So it just gave me a little insight into to the even broader possibilities for this field. So the majority of the book, uh, Yoga's Medicine, reviews uh, 20 specific health concerns. Now, um, one of the nice things is that you summarize the evidence for each of those uh, as, mm. as you address them. So in particular, turning to a couple just as examples, and I would refer people to the book since there's way more than we can really cover in this brief uh, conversation. But what benefits have been seen in anxiety uh, using yoga as a complement to Western medicine? You know, 
people with anxiety tend to have greatly agitated nervous systems. They tend to have sympathetic, high tone in their sympathetic nervous system. They often have insomnia and worries and digestive problems. And their quality of life may actually be very low, even though by appearances they don't appear to be ill usually. Um, Now it turns out there's a huge connection between the nervous system and the mind and the breath. And when you can slow the breath down right away, that will help with anxiety. So if we simply can breathe, ideally through the nose, in and out, slow, deep inhalation, slow, deep exhalation, just doing that alone can calm your mind. Now, yoga, though, has dozens of different ways to, to, to do this. So another technique which has been demonstrated to be of value in people with anxiety is when you make the exhalation longer than the inhalation. Now, we often can facilitate this by doing something called the Ujjayi breath, where they slightly narrow the vocal cords to make it possible to bring in a little bit less air in and out at one time. It kind of makes a a noise like Darth Vader. I'll just imitate it right here. And I'm doing that more loudly than you would need to. But the point is, you say you inhale for three seconds. You might exhale for six seconds. Assuming you can do this comfortably, double the length of the exhalation relative to the inhalation, and it immediately tends to improve uh, the balance of the nervous system, shifting it more toward that rest and digest parasympathetic side. So that has been shown to be very effective for anxiety. Mm-hmm. And But really... A good yoga practice where you get a, it can be an asana practice, it can be meditation, it can be karma yoga. (laughs) Many just volunteering in your community, helping people in need. All these things can help with anxiety and many other conditions. Um, And, and, you know, it's a shame that uh, we give people uh, pills like Xanax, which are very addictive, as as a tool to deal with anxiety. But we don't give them something that they could simply do that's very safe and costs nothing and which many people get benefit from. Simply learning how to breathe a little differently can make a huge difference. So I think that's probably the biggest thing with, uh, with anxiety, but, but there's, of course, much more. And uh, no side effects for yoga. That's the other plus. Unlike with some of the you know, medications and magic magic pills that we have. Well, you know, I like to say that if you go to yoga for your back pain, the side effects are that you generally sleep better and then you're a little happier and you're a little easier to get along with. Those are the side effects of your yoga practice. <laughs> right. So as we come to the, to the close of the program here, I just wanted to give you a minute or two to talk about your view of the future of yoga as medicine. I think there are two main streams that I see kind of happening simultaneously. One is this effort to bring yoga into medical settings, into hospitals, into clinics, uh, etc. Now, this tends to be the more evidence-based, standardized protocol stuff that we've been talking about. Often can be very helpful, but it tends to be taught in group settings, and it tends to be a little bit of the one-size-fits-all. But again, even one size of its all with yoga can do definite good. So I don't want to be critical of this, and I think this is important. I think that this brings yoga to some people who don't, who don't, who wouldn't otherwise get it. But the other trend is more of the personalized one-on-one thing. That's really what my yoga as medicine seminars are about, and what I really advocate. I think it's a more like traditional yoga, more like it used to be in the old days. One teacher, one guru, one student, and a routine for you based on what you need. And I, so I, I, that's more bubbling up from the grassroots. So I think I see those two kind of simultaneous streams, and they're not really in competition. They're kind of working together, and that. And I think we're going to see more and more need for this because, again, it's cheap. It's easy. It really helps. And we can't afford all the high-tech stuff we're doing, not for everybody at the way we're doing it. That's unsustainable. Hmm. Well, thank you so much, uh, Timothy McCall, for being with us today on the Yoga Hour. 
Uh, it's been my pleasure to share this time with you and with the listeners. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien, and we've been discussing yoga therapy, yoga as powerful medicine for the body, mind, and spirit, with special guest Dr. Timothy McCall. Again, you can find out more about Dr. McCall's books and classes at drmccall.com. And again, thanks, Timothy, for joining us. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure to be here. So join us next week for Selfless Action, Wisdom, and Divine Love, Kriya Yoga, and the Gita with Yogacharya O'Brien and guest Swami Atma Vidyananda. Uh, For information about CSE, visit csecenter.org. And remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes. Um, also, don't forget that Yogacharya O'Brien will be a keynote speaker at the International Association of Yoga Therapists in June 2015, and more information can be found at iayt.org. I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is on the road. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. only takes a moment. If you are able to safely turn your attention away from the demands of your activities, quiet your mind and affirm, there is a divine plan at work in my life. I now relax, let go, and let it unfold. Listen attentively, inwardly, without projecting any thoughts about what you think should happen or be experienced. Become as a child. Trusting and receptive to the guidance of spirit within. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. At the base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source. And each of us has a unique way of expressing that source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Rev. Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.